Welcome to the two-part season finale event of Hollywoodland Unsolved. Please note that this case is one of the more graphic cases discussed on the show yet and may be frightening to listeners under the age of 13, so listener discretion is advised. On a brisk Wednesday morning in January of 1947, an attractive housewife named Betty Bursinger was walking with her three-year-old daughter to a shoe repair shop a few blocks away when she noticed what looked like a mannequin lying in the field ahead of her. According to reports, she thought it had fallen off of a truck and didn't suspect anything other than the uncomfortable feeling she had. She crossed the street and continued to make her way to the shop. It wasn't until she got closer that she saw that the mannequin was in fact the naked body of a woman and rushed to a nearby residence to notify the police. The body was severed at the waist and appeared to be laid out carefully as though she was basking in the California sun. There were also three-inch gashes cut into her face, causing her to have a permanent smile. The dark hair of the woman was framing her delicate features, and her body was stoic and completely white, perfectly drained of blood. Her breasts had been slashed with an alleged BD carved into her left thigh. This cold case has stumped the LAPD for 70 years. The body belonged to an aspiring actress with raven black hair and a reputation in the Los Angeles party scene. Her name was Elizabeth Short. I'm your host, Ansley, and welcome to Hollywoodland Unsolved and the investigation into the murder of the Black Dahlia. A gorgeous young 20s wannabe from Medford, Massachusetts, Short made her way to the dazzling lights of Hollywood in July of 1946 in pursuit of fame and fortune. She would only live in the City of Angels for six months before her gruesome murder. Short grew up in a broken home. Her father, Cleo Short, made a living building mini golf courses until the market crashed, and through the 20s, the family lost most of their assets. By 1930, Cleo parked his car on a bridge and vanished, leaving the family to believe he had committed suicide. Short was the middle of five girls, and after her father's apparent suicide, her mother did the best she could to give her five daughters a good life. Yet living on a single mother's paycheck in a large family proved to be too much, and Short's mother quickly asked for help. According to reports, Short from a young age became fascinated with movies, and by her early teens set her sights on becoming an actress. Years later, Short learned that her father was alive and well and living in California, and when she was 19, she made her way out west to live with him. So let's pause for a second. According to the documents, Short's father faked his death to get out of taking care of his family, but later took Short in in California. No wonder Short proved to later have an unstable relationship with men, having a father who straight up abandoned her, her sisters, and her mother, only to have him later treat Short to a glamorous stint in Santa Barbara, California. Her father did her no favors. Short was never one to follow the rules or blend into the crowd, and shortly after moving in with her father in California, she was arrested at a Santa Barbara saloon at the age of 19 for underage drinking, 
and was sent back to Massachusetts to live with her mother and four sisters, where she later split time between Florida and Massachusetts. While living in Florida, Short met Major Matthew Michael Gordon Jr., an alleged decorated United States Army Air Force officer who would later propose to her through a letter he wrote while deployed in India. The proposal never came to fruition because Major Gordon Jr. died in an airplane crash before he could make it back to the United States. This story is a little fishy because there are no documents that prove that Major Gordon Jr. ever actually proposed to Short, but there is a photo of the two together proving that they did go on at least a date. Short met another military man in California in 1944, Army Air Force Lieutenant Joseph Gordon Fickling, who would later be stationed out in Long Beach, California. And in the summer of 1946, Short made her way out there to visit him and then made Southern California her home. Fickling was one of the last people to receive communication from Short. Allegedly, he received a letter dated January 8, 1947, stating that she no longer wanted to communicate with him and that she was moving from San Diego to Chicago. With her big dreams of being a star, Short spent much of her time in Los Angeles, and with a reputation for dazzling men and sometimes teasing them a bit too much, she had been described by her peers and former classmates as being a little on the easy side and loved being the life of the party. From when she made the leap to Los Angeles until her death, Short made sure to make herself known in the Hollywood bar scene. Short's body was found completely drained of blood, and her stone-cold torso was cut in half. According to reports, Short's body had, quote, been expertly bisected, end quote. For the police, it was their first lead. It gave them the idea that the killer had to be someone with medical knowledge because Short's body was cut with such precision and knowledge, and it was wiped clean. Quote, it was pretty gruesome, Brian Carr, a detective with the Los Angeles Police Department, who had long worked on the Dahlia case, later said, I can't imagine someone doing that to another human being, end quote. There is some speculation as to why she was given the name the Black Dahlia after her death. One theory is that she often wore a large dahlia in her hair, and there had been an old noir film called The Black Dahlia. A reporter found out about Short's flower preferences and dubbed her with that nickname. The police interviewed literally thousands of people. Everyone who had known Short was a suspect, and on January 24th, five days after her body was found, a chilling message arrived at the Los Angeles Police Department. Hodgepodge together were letters cut out from magazines and newspapers that read, Here is Dahlia's belongings. Letter to follow. Some of Short's personal belongings were sent with the note, including her birth certificate and personal papers, and included in those was an address book that allegedly belonged to Mark Hansen. Hansen was the owner of a popular nightclub in Hollywood called the Florence Gardens, where Short was known to frequent. Hansen also let Short stay at his house a number of times, where she shared a bedroom with Hansen's girlfriend, Anne Toth, according to reports. On January 8th, the day before she went missing, Short called Hansen in Los Angeles from San Diego, where she was staying with her alleged lover, Red Manley. January 8th is also the day that she wrote her last letter to Lieutenant Fickling. 
When asked about why his address book was sent with Short's belongings, one report states, quote, Hansen told the LAPD that the address book had belonged to him, yet he'd never used it. He said that he'd given the address book to Elizabeth as a gift for her to use as her own, end quote. Allegedly, Hansen gave conflicting reports over the years, but no criminal charges were ever brought upon him. He was the lead suspect in the case in 1949, but was never convicted. Personally, I don't think he did it. So let's look at the other suspects. Well, the first was Robert Red Manley. Red, for short. Red Manley was a salesman who claimed to have spent the night in a Santa Barbara motel with Short before her death and claims to have driven her from Santa Barbara back to Los Angeles, where he dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel. According to reports, he stayed with Short for a short while at the hotel, hanging out in the lounge and bar areas. Short said that she didn't want to leave because she was waiting for a call, but she refused to say from who. Red Manley, being a married man, needed to get back home to his wife before she thought anything suspicious was going on, so Manley left Short at the Biltmore Hotel on the night of January 9th. According to reports, one of the Bell captains late in the evening recalls seeing Short leave the hotel and walk out onto Olive Street in downtown Los Angeles. This is the last time anyone saw Elizabeth Short alive. There were six nights in between her leaving the hotel and her body being found, January 9th to January 15th. According to biographer John Gilmore, the first person to notice Short's body was a boy who was on his paper route. He saw a car, presumably a dark sedan, heading down the street with its headlights off. The boy claims that he saw the person remove something from the automobile and get back in the car, hesitate, and then leave. That's where the attractive housewife Betty Bursinger comes in. She was walking down that same street later that morning, saw the body, and notified the police. In the mid to late 40s, TV wasn't widespread yet, but there were five major newspapers in the Los Angeles area. Two reporters from the LA Examiner heard about the body in the park through the police radio and made their way to the crime scene. These reporters did everything from taking pictures of the body to later breaking into the morgue and fingerprinting short with soot from a match. For the duration of the case, the reporters seemed to stay ahead of the police. Red Manley was the original suspect. His name, along with Short's name, were listed on a Los Angeles motel guest book. When this information got back to the police, Manley was taken into custody. He was later released due to lack of evidence and Manley's wife backing up his alibi. Something seems weird here, right? Why was Manley's name listed on the address book that Short kept with a total of 75 men who met her on the streets of Hollywood and in clubs and bars? According to reports, Manley being questioned for Short's murder haunted him for the rest of his life. Was that because he was guilty? Moving on to the next suspect. Residing at 5121 Franklin Avenue, just a few blocks from Hollywood in Los Feliz, stands a massive Mayan temple replica covered by lush greenery, lived in by George Hodel. This home is known as the Franklin House and was believed by many to be where Short was murdered and drained of blood. The home is vast and features a courtyard swimming pool and a secret room hidden by sliding bookshelves. 
Steve Hodel, George's son, who grew up in the house, stated that the room was off limits to children when he was growing up in the house. He believed that this is where Short's body was mutilated and wiped clean. It's interesting to note that the location of where Short's body was found is about eight miles away from George Hodel's home at 5121 Franklin Avenue. In Los Angeles, eight miles is a long way to go. I just mapped it, and on 7.30 on a Sunday evening, it would take over 35 minutes to get from Hodel's home to where the body was found. Granted, there is more traffic now, but from his home on Franklin Avenue in the bustling heart of the city, it's not ideal to transport a body in a car and drive across town. Also, did anyone look into the vehicles of the suspects? I know DNA testing was still a thing of the future, but maybe investigating and searching their vehicles would have proved to be fruitful. Steve Hodel, convinced of his father's guilt, has spent his life dedicated to proving his father's guilt and served a number of years in the LAPD, as well as becoming a licensed private investigator. Hodel uses software to compare facial features of the autopsy photos to the ones found in his father's secret photo album. According to his discoveries, George Hodel has secret images of Elizabeth Short, linking him to Short and proving that they did have some sort of relationship. But I'll let you hear that for yourself next episode. According to Hodel, his father's placement of the body and meticulous care he took to drain and clean the body was an attempt at surrealist art. Sounds like a pretty sick guy if you ask me. There is a whole section on Steve Hodel's website where he explains his father's relationship to surrealist artist Man Ray. Hodel thinks that his father was trying to copy an image that Man Ray had made, but by doing it in person, he was one-upping him. Hodel's report on this theory is lengthy, so I have attached the link at the top of the show notes and on the website because I think this is an incredibly interesting story worth investigating. The way that George Hodel was linked to the Black Dahlia was through another run-in with the law. George was on trial for incest with his daughter. He won the incest case, but while he was being questioned about the Black Dahlia, the DA took the opportunity to bug his house, and for 40 days, the DA spied on George Hodel. That was the only time that George Hodel was ever questioned. Seems like a missed opportunity to me. In the transcripts of the recordings taken by the DA, something stands out. A quote by George Hodel stating, quote, Suppose and I did kill the Black Dahlia. They couldn't prove it now. They can't talk to my secretary anymore because she's dead. End quote. Whoa. Hold on a second. First of all, is he sort of admitting to doing it? Second, did he kill his secretary to keep her quiet? I have so many questions on George Hodel, so I started researching his son, Steve, and I actually found his personal Facebook page, and I reached out to him. More on that later. Now let's talk about the location where the body was found, the intersection of 39th and Norton. Please refer to the map in the show notes for the exact location. At that time, the area was at the end of a subdivision and was where trash was sometimes dumped. Why would Hodel pick that vacant lot on the other side of town from where he killed Short and drained her of blood? Does he have a connection to this area? One block south of the lot where the Black Dahlia was found belonged to Ruth Bailey, the wife of a doctor. But not just any doctor, a surgeon. Coincidence? I'm not sure. 
but the police stated from the beginning of the investigation that the killer had to be someone with expert medical knowledge due to the precise way that Short's body was severed and how meticulously and expertly it was drained of blood. So this adds another suspect to the case, Dr. Walter Bailey. Dr. Bailey was a former chief of medical staff at LA County Hospital and fit the profile that the police was looking for. Upon his death, his wife and girlfriend ended up in a legal battle over his belongings, with his girlfriend claiming that she knew a secret that would ruin him personally and professionally. Was this secret a murder? We will never know because Dr. Bailey, his girlfriend, and Miss Bailey have long since passed away. There is factual evidence linking Walter Bailey to Elizabeth Short, but there isn't any actual record that they knew each other, so that makes sense as to why the police might have missed him as a suspect. Looking deeper into it now, the evidence is that the Short family did have ties to the neighborhood where the body was found and the lot owned by Dr. Walter Bailey. As it turns out, Bailey's daughter, Barbara Lingrid, was a friend of Elizabeth Short's sister, Virginia, and her husband. To make that even weirder, Virginia was the matron of honor at Barbara's wedding, so the two families had a stronger connection than the police ever looked into. While researching the case, I came across a site dedicated to research on the Black Dahlia from UNC and found an interesting account. The site says, quote, The LAPD never considered Bailey as a suspect in the Black Dahlia case. However, many theorists believe he could be linked to Elizabeth Short's murder due to the man's medical expertise. Detective Harry Hansen told the 1949 grand jury that the killer had to be a, quote, top medical man and a, quote, fine surgeon. Bailey was 67 years old at the time of Elizabeth Short's death and had no known history of violence or criminal activity. He likely had not even known or met Elizabeth Short, even though his daughter was a friend of Virginia Short. Larry Harnish, a copy editor and writer for the LA Times, started studying the Black Delay case in 1996. He eventually concluded that Bailey could have been Elizabeth Short's killer. While some critics of the theory say that Bailey would have been too old and too weak for the crime, the original investigators believe that the body could have been cut in half to make it easier to transport. Harnish believes that this would have made it possible for Bailey to transport and dispose of Elizabeth Short's body. Harnish also believed that Bailey's neurological deterioration could have contributed to his violent ways against Elizabeth. He claimed the neurological condition was known to elicit violent behavior in otherwise calm individuals, end quote. This theory is interesting to me because the placement of the body and the idea that the body was cut in half to make it easier to carry. What I also think is interesting is whoever had Short's body had to keep it for about five days. Who would have had that amount of time to sever a human spine with exact precision, drain all of the blood with such medical expertise? A retired surgeon sounds like a killer option to me. Pun anyone? While I looked into Dr. Bailey deeper, I learned that not only did he have a degenerative brain condition, but he was also alleged to be a part of an under-the-table abortion ring. And with Short's history of partying, this might have put the two together. So why hadn't DNA testing been used? With technology now, it would be easy to lift DNA off of the letters sent to the LAPD 10 days after the Black Dahlia was murdered. That all sounds great, except the little problem that all of the evidence is gone. Detective Brian Carr of the Los Angeles Police Department said in an interview when asked about the evidence and the letters from the alleged killer, quote, 
I don't know where it is. I haven't been able to locate them. End quote. What? Are you kidding me? He goes on to say, quote, those envelopes that we had earlier mentioned, they're not to be found. End quote. Hold on. You're telling me, Detective Carr, that all of the physical evidence from Hollywood's most notorious unsolved murder is just gone? Everyone of notability in this case states that it is all gone. Hodel has been quoted saying, everything is gone. Everything has disappeared. Their position is, quote, they don't know. It's just gone. End quote. When asked about the missing evidence, Hodel thinks it's no accident. Quote, the real telling evidence about this is the fact that everything is connected to George Hodel. All of the transcripts, all of the tape recordings, all of the witness interviews, everything had to disappear. So how will a case with all of the original evidence gone and so many suspects ever get solved? It's terrible, but it probably won't. But why not try? Red Manley, George Hodel, Dr. William Bailey. Those are my top three suspects I found while researching the case. But upon further review, I stumbled upon a website that looks at the idea that a woman might have killed Elizabeth Short. I don't know why it never occurred to me. Maybe because the cops interviewed dozens of men in the murder case, but hardly looked at the potential of a woman being the killer. Stay with me. We'll dive into that in part two of the season finale. An amazing map for the Black Dahlia case is up on hollywoodlandpod.com. Man, Brian Balzarini is talented. As well as all of the addresses and references for my research in the case. Make sure you turn into part two of the season finale of Hollywoodland Unsolved, Who Killed the Black Dahlia? We will look deeper into the suspects discussed in this episode, the potential of a woman killer, and what Short did for those five days. Was she dead the whole time? And I have a little surprise for you. You won't want to miss it. All elements of Hollywoodland Unsolved are produced by me, with graphics and maps by Brian Balzarini and music by my amazing father. 